0: Hello again everybody, I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb and this is the Transporter Room. The intersection of sports, transness, sci-fi, gaming, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff. And we're coming up on Trans Day of Visibility 2022. This week I'm reminded of something that a dear friend, activist and mentor Janice Booth told me years ago. You have to be out in the world to let people know that you're in the world. But it was two years ago this week that the first waves of a tsunami of cut-and-paste legislation which encodes discrimination into law first hit the shore. It was HB 500 in Idaho then. Since you've had bills that prohibit transgender students to participate in sports and the gender in which they identify, de facto bans really, pass in fourteen states now. The last four came in a forty-eight hour period late last week. Arizona, Kentucky, Oklahoma, and Utah, where the veto of Governor Spencer Cox was overturned. Now, for those of you who still claim not to know, who still believe that the bills, whether it's transgender student athletes, whether it's affirming health care, whether it's things like the bathroom bills that were passed in the slate of hate in Tennessee, if you still think that these are just coincidences, here's Chase Strangio via Logos Trans Town Hall to break it down for you. This isn't about sports. This is about control. This is about exclusion and this is about discrimination. And they're targeting sports
1: because they were unsuccessful in targeting bathrooms. Um, And what's so disheartening is to watch this conversation take off under the guise of protecting women and girls when what it's doing is harming young people. And we know that that's what it's doing.
0: You should watch the whole thing, and I'm gonna link the whole thing right underneath our post on Twitter. Now, as we head into this week, the blowback from the NCAA swimming and diving championships continues. But I do want to send a little bit of a shout out for that to the crew of CBS Sunday Morning for a solid story on the issue this past weekend. Now, there was a lot of good, balanced reporting there and a departure from what many cis centered outlets often do. Can you believe it? They actually had trans people, and more than one, speaking about the experiences of, wait for it, trans people. Now, Skylar Baylor was quoted at length, as was friends of the show Lucas Draper, diver at Oberlin College in Ohio. The story, in some ways, was a mini profile of Draper, and it was good to see. And also, he was a guest here at the Transporter Room last month his full interview and appearance here will also be posted underneath this post on Twitter. Other voices in the piece included Mayo Clinic researcher, Michael Joyner, um, trans athlete and researcher, Joanna Harper from over in the UK. It's good to see Doc Harper getting more and more presence in the number of these pieces. People are starting to hear from her and they should. She's One of the most honest, most straight down the middle people in the landscape on this issue. And I'm also proud to call her a friend of the transporter room. Um, She's done two interviews with us. And also, if you want to hear what she had to say about the research, she's doing very groundbreaking research. We're also going to post that show underneath as well. Also quoted in the story was the representative from the Cisgender Women's Sports Policy Working Group, Olympic gold medalist Nancy Hogshead McCarr, who said that even if a transgender woman doesn't win, her mere presence corrupts the field. Good to see that some things just aren't going to change. CBS Sunday morning, great job. Doesn't quite make up for that 60 minute piece last year, but good on you. Another news of the last week U.S. Embassy officials have met with Brittany Griner to talk about the treatment she's getting, as you it, detained in Russia on suspicion of drug possession for the last now four weeks. According to U.S. State Department spokesperson Ned Price to CNN, quote, we were able to check on her condition. We will continue to work very closely with her legal team and with our broader network to see that she's treated fairly. Price also went on to say that officials found Brittany Griner to be in good condition and we will continue to do everything we can to see that she is treated fairly throughout this ordeal. Now, in other spaces, the call for silence increasingly being ignored. One of those was Ben Proudfoot. He was the director of the now Oscar award-winning documentary on basketball great Lucia Harris. In his acceptance speech at the Oscars Sunday night, he said simply, quote, bring Brittany Griner home. Another person who's had a lot to say, Dave Zirin, had a very critical piece in the nation calling for people to get more vocal about Griner. We're also going to post that piece underneath as well. Some big ups from the pages of Outsports this week. Big ups to the Orlando Pride, the NWSL team, came to their mat Sunday against the Carolina Courage, and they had warm-up t-shirts that just said one word, gay, in response to Florida's Don't Say Gay law. Memo to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Um, If you think this law is really going to be that effective, all I can say is George Takei already told people a way to defeat it. Anytime you need to say the word gay, You can simply say, decay. I'm pretty sure that you're going to begin to draft a don't talk about Star Trek law next. And a memo to the Formula One World Championship, especially to Lewis Hamilton, who spoke out prior to this past weekend's Saudi Arabian Grand Prix about being a voice for change there. Hey, Lewis, we could use you being a voice for change here, too. Remember, two rounds of the Formula One World Championship are ran in American states, which are openly legalizing discrimination against transgender people and, by extension, LGBTQ people. One of those comes up May 8th, the inaugural Miami Grand Prix. Hey, Lewis, make sure you pack that rainbow helmet. In fact, I would like the whole field to pack some rainbows and be ready to speak out. This Formula One fan would appreciate that. Another story in OutSports. Shelby Weldon's got this one, and you should read it. The Women's Super League in England is looking into whether Birmingham City women's support coach Marcus Bignot used an anti-gay slur during an exchange with the Tottenham bench. The Telegraph had the initial story. Full details of the incident have yet to emerge. Now, should the allegations be proven, Bignot faces a 6-12 match ban. That is the longest suspension ever levied in the history of the Women's Super League of the Football Association. For more on that, read Shelby Weldon's story in Outsports.com. And also, out rugby pro Jack Dunney signed with the Exeter Chiefs last week in the Rugby Union Premiership. Dunny moves into the Premiership from the Irish side Leinster in the United Rugby Championship. And also in Outsports right now, An excerpt from The Umpire is Out, Calling the Game and Living My True Self by former MLB umpire Dave Scott. By the way, the story about Scott's publicly coming forward was done by Outsports in 2015 by Jim Budzinski. And we're going to have both the the link to the excerpt and to Budzinski's original story also underneath in the liner notes. Oh, just a quick note. How about... Carly's brackets. Well, them brackets are long since busted. On the men's side, complete miss. I got nothing right. My original four, Gonzaga, Baylor, Houston, Wisconsin. Instead, we got Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, Kansas. My picks, don't put your money on these now based on the way my brackets been. I'm gonna take Duke and Mike Krzyzewski's farewell over North Carolina. I'm going to take Villanova over Kansas in the national championship game for the fellas. I'm going to take Duke over Villanova, 75 to 69. On the women's side, I got two, but yes, they're the obvious two. I had South Carolina, Baylor, Stanford, Indiana. Instead, what we're going to get is South Carolina and Louisville. I'm going to take South Carolina in that national semifinal, and then Stanford against UConn and that UConn-North Carolina State game, the, a double overtime thriller in Bridgeport, was a real gem Monday night. But I see the Stanford Cardinal. This is going to make Sid Ziegler happy. They're going to beat UConn. But then, Sid, you're going to be a little unhappy at the final. South Carolina 78, Stanford 77. You can mark that down. And that's the Rudd Alert klaxon, which means we're going to take a break, give love to the sponsors. But when we come back, a closer look at an historic match to be on Trans Day of Visibility on Turf Island. More on that to come. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. And welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm your host, Carly Chardonnay-Webb. And Trans Day of Visibility, Thursday, March 31st. But if the recent turbulence regarding Leah Thomas is a barometer, I wouldn't blame anyone for being a little less visible, especially in sports. But on Thursday night in Dulwich Hamlet, just south of London, England, there will be a special date on the pitch for TDOV on a place known as Turf Island. For the first time in FA history, probably in the history of soccer anywhere, a team composed entirely of transgender women will take the pitch in a regulation game. The team is Truck United FC, the brainchild of Trans Radio UK, and they will take on Dulwich Hamlet FC. Now the Hamlet are currently at the top of the table. This team's no slouch. They're leading the London and Southeast Regional Women's Football League, which is in the fifth level of the women's pyramid of the FA. The Truck United team, much like Team Trans Hockey here in the States, is a squad of players that come from across the United Kingdom. Manager Lucy Clark is a trailblazer in her own right. In 2018, she became the first out transgender official in the history of the FA and is still adjudicating games now, at the third division level also on the team and playing Thursday night is the head of football versus transphobia Natalie Washington the effort started four years ago has done a great deal to change attitudes and the nation is seen as one of the most transphobic in the western world with this historic game coming up I'm pleased to have them both here from Trans Radio UK meet Truck United's Lucy Clark and Natalie Washington Welcome to the transporter room, both of you. Energize.
2: Hello. Great to be here.
0: Great to Lovely have to you here. to
1: be with you. <laughs> yeah, hi. Good, uh, good afternoon.
0: Great to have you. Thanks for have, having us. Great to have you both here. And I'm just, I just want to first, at the start, I want to I clear up something. So would you say that Thursday is going to be your world in motion moment?
1: <laughs> yeah, totally, hundred <laughs> percent. It certainly is, and I think we're going to have to play that song in the changing room before the game with uh, sure. myself, myself and Natalie on the lead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know whether that will inspire or uh, or otherwise, but we can try.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just, <laughs> we can give it a go. Now, yeah. Lucy, now Lucy, are you going to do the John Barnes rap? <laughs> well,
1: we're, g- 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 <laughs> we're going to have a go, but I, I think from, from Natalie doing it a little bit uh, early, I think I think Natalie's got it off to a tee, to be fair.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was a boy, I was a big New Order fan. So like, you know, it was just, it was a, for
2: me, for me that's the pinnacle of football music, that, that record.
0: Oh my God, you, yeah. did you, did you say New Order? Yep. Do I? Okay, now why do I get the feeling that you and I are roughly the same age, Natalie? Because no well, New Order was my jam back then.
2: It was funny, so I <laughs> I'm I'm actually this is gonna sound strange, but I'm one of the people that's a bit younger than I probably should be to be a New Order fan, actually. But I just <laughs> I just got big into them. Like when I was they were the first I mean the first that new order album I bought was a CD, which I guess kind of dates it slightly. But um, yeah, I just just did. Lo- loved that. It was probably probably World in Motion that did it for me. It was a bit later in their career, actually. But well, I'm they're still gonna, going, aren't they? But,
0: <laughs> well, to be fair, just to make you not feel so bad, how does it feel to treat me like you do? <laughs> I was I was around when that lyric was first spoken.
2: Oh, right okay, I'm yeah. gonna
0: do de- so mm. I've really dated myself right there <laughs> but yeah. about this match first how did this team come about and how did this game come about
1: so yeah there were the team the team come about because um, we had a lot of people contacting us and I, I I had a lot of people contacting me and sort of uh, in conversation saying, oh, I'd love to play football and, you know, there's no team for me and, you know, etc., etc. And as much as you'd say, look, yes, there is because, you know, you've got people like Natalie that, that play football. So, you know, it can be done and, and it can be done for everyone. But I think, I think uh, there's quite a few players that probably were a bit nervous and a bit wary about, um, you know, going and, and joining a team. So, I, I used to, I've managed football teams previously and, you know, it's, it's one of them things when you when you, you enjoy putting, putting teams together uh, and that side of things. Uh, and I hadn't managed a team myself personally for probably oh, about 10, 15 years because um, I've been refereeing. So I was like, do you know what? I had so many people say I'd love to play, I'd love to play, but there isn't a team for me. So I thought, well, let's just create a team you know i i, I them that way nobody can say there isn't a team for me because we can create a team that's trans radio fc uh, Truck United, uh, and you know, inclusive for everyone. So nobody can say now, especially within the in the Trans community in the UK, that there isn't a team for me because there is Truck United, and you know, come and play for us. And that's kind of how it's evolved. Uh, we had uh, one match in the National Affinity Cup, which was for our fully inclusive team. The National Affinity Cup is um, it's like the FA Cup for charity teams. So uh, we entered that, and we put on a really good good show. Uh, we didn't quite win the game, but we, we played really, really well, um, which led us on to the match that we're about to play Thursday because we had quite a strong basis of uh, trans women in that team. But it was like, this has never been done. There's never been a team solely of Or you know, an 11 on the pitch consisting of just solely trans women. And, you know, well, let's write that wrong. Let's make it happen. Let's create a bit of history. uh, And let's show that football is for everyone, even if you are transgender. So that's how this match kind of come about.
0: Well, now, Lucy, I'm just wondering, what position do you play? And will your, I mean, are you going to try and lobby the refs?
1: Yeah, well, I know that I know the officials uh, that are that are going to be <laughs> officiating the match, so I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll be in their ear during the game to try and uh, you know get a few decisions going our way. Um, uh, I play well. I'd like to play centre midfield, but I'm not quite sure. Even though I referee lots, um, I'm not sure I've got the leg because it's different playing to refereeing, as I found out in our last game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna probably do ten minutes in the number ten role. Um, and then we'll see how we go from there. So so that's the kind of plan, but I could well end up being right back or left back behind uh, behind the goal, probably.
0: Wait a minute. Did I hear you say the number 10 role? You, you're the sniper finisher, Lucy. Is that it?
1: Well, yeah. Back in the day, used to like a free kick and used to like a little set piece and, you know, um, yeah, used to score a goal or two from that position. So, So, yeah, but we're going back 25 plus years. <laughs> a lot has changed since then for me. Uh, but yeah, I'll, well, we'll have the numbers head on the back and we'll see if we can do the role a little bit of justice, even if it's only for a few minutes.
0: Since you've been a fan of the sport and been playing the sport that long, there's, there's something I do want to ask about, but I'm going to hold that for later. It's a, it's a piece of English football history. I, I want to get an official's definitive word on it, but before we go to that, Natalie, you're someone who's, who's been steeped in the sport, played the game. Where, what position are you playing at? What will hitting this pitch on Thursday mean for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot. I mean, so position-wise is, it, is an interesting one because um, – so I – when I was a kid, I probably played at the back because I'm quite tall. And I grew before other people did, but then other people caught me up and I realized I wasn't really good at heading. Um, So I moved, I played right midfield. I've played in the center midfield. And most of the last few years I've been playing in the middle, either sort of behind the striker. I've actually played up front for a bit or in front of the back four or back three or whatever. So anywhere in that kind of midfield, that's probably my, I would say my favorite position because I can influence the game quite a lot from there. I like to think I can pass the ball quite well. Playing in this game is going to be a really big thing for me, I think, because you know I've, I've liked it before like the first time I went to Pride. you know, It's the first time I felt that like I was amongst a group of people that had some shared experience or had this specific shared experience and this specific shared identity where like we all know a little piece of each other that other people don't. And I think it's so important for us as trans women to be able to take up a bit of space in football and to you know to have a moment where it's kind of um celebrating us being part of the game because so often trans women's participation in sport and in football is made out to be controversial it's made out to be a problem that we have to solve but instead like we can just have this game where it's about joy of participation and it's about kind of showing some inspiration to the the younger trans people that we know are probably going to be there or going to be watching and they can see that football is a place that they can be themselves. So it's really lovely and great to be, to be able to be part of, because we'll only get to do this once.
1: No, no really. F- football's great. And as Natalie just said, it's, it's, it's going to give people the opportunity to, to play and, and realize that they can play. I mean, football for me, um, was a lifesaver. I, I can honestly say, if I didn't have football, I probably wouldn't be talking to you today, um, because that's how that was my coping mechanism when I was younger. Uh, to be fair, but this is the, the the thing is with this, it is it is so great. And, and people can link up because they can come to play with truck. And we've got, a, we, the, the team's already built a little community within ourselves where the team and the players are talking and sharing experiences and, and it's leading on to other people that, you know, that are within the team that have joined truck that are th- probably looking now and saying, well, you know, I can go and play for another team that, that, you know, obviously has matches week in week out um, and we ourselves, we're looking to, to progress with the amount of matches that we have. So, so in, that, in that respect, it's going to get people playing football that probably thought that they wouldn't be able to play football. And they're now realising that, yeah, hey, they can play football and there is a safe space for them to play, um, which could lead on to, you know, to other avenues. Which is just great, isn't it? Because everyone should be able to play football. Everyone. And everyone should play football because it's the best sport in the world. It's about those pathways, isn't it? Because you know, people, like you say, people
2: meet people through Truck United, who they then realise oh actually uh, this person plays in the GFSN league, which is a you know a, a sort of a league predominantly of gay men, but it's an inclusive league that anyone can play in. And or you know they play in some of these inclusive leagues that we have in London now, and they'll meet someone and go along with them, and then they're they're back involved in football, and that wouldn't be happening otherwise. It's it's really good.
0: Yeah, see that's one thing I can agree is like. Finally, I played in my first inclusive league in any sport starting about a little bit less than four years ago. And it was such a difference. And it was so important to, because at the time I had just been, really start coming out. So I agree, that really matters. Now, now one thing, the team that you're playing, you're not playing a bunch of like out of shape radio jocks. You're, <laughs> this is not nah. a... This, this is being billed as a charity match, <laughs> but there's no charity involved in this when it comes to that other team. Dulwich Hamlet currently leads the premier flight of the London and Southeast Regional Women's League. They're currently at the top of the table. Yeah.
1: Well but yeah I think
0: how difficult is this match? This is going to be a hard match.
1: Yeah, I think they've got a team, their reserve team have won the league, and their first team are, are in the, the London and Southeast, which is, which is actually, it's the equivalent level of the conference so it's kind of um the the next level for them is the women's national league so and and to be fair to them uh two you know the last two years they actually should have got promoted they were they were top of the table um for two seasons running the the two seasons have got curtailed because of covid um and the fa uh in their wisdom Decided to promote QPR, who had, had finished fifth. Obviously, QPR probably because they're a, a bigger name, so they they promoted QPR instead of Dulwich. Which, personally, I, I feel that Dulwich should have been the team that got promoted. So they should they should really be in the Women's National League. So they they're already at a, quite a high level. Um, so yeah, we're not. It's not as though we've got in a, up against the team that, that you know that uh, that we should we're gonna we're gonna beat. They're a good team, a very good. team team i've refereed them over the years and uh and they've got some excellent players they've actually got um i like think their captains uh from the states so uh, yeah it's it's uh it's 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 gonna be a real tough game but hey yeah. you know we'll give them a game wherever yeah. i go well, i think they, not the, level they I was to say, the level they play
2: at. Is I don't think there's anyone in our squad that sort of plays regularly at that level, so it's going to be a big challenge. Now, a lot of our people players have been out of the game for some time, so some of them could be very good, but they, they you know they're they're out of experience. But I mean, it's it's a couple of levels above where I usually play. I've played teams at that level, and it's given us a real
1: hard time. Um So yeah, it's going to be it's going to
2: be a big old challenge, but looking forward to it.
1: Yeah I mean they beat, they beat Fulham last week so you know <laughs> they are mm-hmm. beating a team that's pretty much going to be in the in the Premier League the 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 men's team and um and Fulham I know are, are looking you know for promotion and to progress and are, are a good team um, and Dullish beat them in a the cup semi final and uh, so yeah they they're, they're going to be a good team they're going to be they're going to be, it's not uh, them being a test for us. It's how much of a test we can be for them. Cause you know, they're, they're used to playing good quality sides week in, week out. So, um, and now mm. they're going to get a team that we've kind of thrown together from all over the UK. We've got, you know, players, players coming literally from as far North as Scotland and uh, as, as South as you can get in the, in the UK. And yeah, we're all coming together and we'll, we'll, we'll be meeting for the first time at, you know half past six next thursday yeah. uh and it's like you know we have to do introductions it's like oh hi you know so yeah it's it's, it's gonna be a tough task for us but you know we've got some well, decent players we've got some decent players We'll do well, we'll lucy do
0: okay. is a, well lucy being that you are the team manager who are who do you think some of the standouts of the team on the team are going to be
1: I haven't seen them. Half the I've seen the the players I've seen play for 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 truck are the ones that would have played in the in the last game. So Natalie, Natalie's a good player, um, very good player. Sammy's a very good player. To be fair, uh, we've got that's Haley's okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, that it, is are two, two good players from the, from the last match that uh, I'm hoping of good things for, are um, are Sammy and Natalie. Uh, no, uh, I want to know uh, who's in goal. Uh, who? who uh, so we got, Oh, well actually, yeah. Talking yeah, about goalkeepers. So we've got, we've got two America goalkeepers. Player. Yeah. We've got, we've got Blair Hamilton will be starting the game in goal and we've, got another goalkeeper that plays for uh, Peterborough United, so Amy. So we've actually got two really good goalkeepers, so with a bit of
0: luck we can get them both in <laughs> at the same time. Blair Hamilton, who's known as the washing machine. That's yep. a player I've heard of. Blair Hamilton, I've heard of. They call him the washing machine because it, the, the sheets are always clean. And, <laughs> and, your other, and, your, and your other keeper from Peterborough United, Amy Butler, who has... Who's done a lot of good? Looking at the stats right in front of me, she's done a lot of work this season. So uh, yeah, okay, you've yeah. got you've got two. I mean, if nothing else, if but you know what they say, can't win if you don't score. So don't. So so it's just a matter if you get a couple in the front, get a couple in the back of their net. Who knows?
1: Just, just a couple of those Lucy Clark twenty-five yard free kicks into the quarters. Well, that would be that be nice, won't it? Yeah. back the clock a few years.
0: Yeah. <laughs> one thing, Lucy, I want to get at the other part of your history, and that's one thing you've you've already made a piece of of history in the FA. Yep.
1: Yes. Yeah, supp- supposedly trans- so. Yet yeah.
0: first transgender official who's out, first out transgender official in the in the storied history of the FA and since then do do you feel that you're a trailblazer in a sense i mean you now have an out ref in israel you yep. have two more nations that now have refs who've come out um good friend of the show is moving up the ranks in the youth in the youth levels here in the united states jacqueline harper grubb you do you feel that in the sense that by you coming out, you've opened the door and others are now walking through it.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, now, now, as you just said, there's now four, um, match officials that are, are known that are trans and there's, there's probably many more out there. So, so the fact that, yeah, with, within, um, football as being a referee, I mean, it's hard enough being accepted as a referee as it is, yet alone, <laughs> uh, a transgender referee. So, yeah, it's great. It's great. The more the more people that do it, everyone has to, you know, um, everything has to have a first, doesn't it? Or somebody has to go and lead the way. You know, we, You know, we talk, could we go and talk about, you know, uh, uh, gay football in the Premier League and stuff. There, there there, are footballers out there, without a doubt. Of course, there are that are gay, but nobody's done it. It just needs that first one. And then you'll have the snowball effect. And not only that, it, it allows people... I'd like to think, you know, and, and people that have contacted me, you know, uh, that have been inspired by the story, love, love, love reading your story. And it's not necessarily in sport, but like I had a, a, a school teacher, literally the day after my, my story came out, they contacted me and said, I've read your story. Tomorrow I'm going to work and I'm letting them know Exactly who I am, and I'm going to be who I am from now on. So, if if you know if if stories like like mine can inspire people to be true to themselves, to to everyone in the you know in in their circles, and then that's brilliant. And in other sports as well, if people can sort of you know, one of our team at Trans Radio has come out as um, she's plays bowls and as is now herself and is now playing bowling and and is leading the way in that sport as well and make making them change different uh, you know change the laws that are archaic so yeah i mean if, if it's inspired one person that's fabulous and and hopefully you know <laughs> just because we're trans we shouldn't stop doing what we love whether that be your work or your sport or just life in general um, and yeah, I, uh, all, all stories of everyone that's, that's coming out. I think inspire somebody to, to go out and be themselves. So yeah, I think it's great. I think it's now, great. And if it's inspired one person, then that's, that's brilliant. It was well, wor- it was worth doing, wasn't it?
0: Good that you said that it's because you're trans, you shouldn't stop doing what you love. But right now you're both sitting in the middle of a country that says that you shouldn't be trans period. Um, you see it in the news. You see, you see it in the news. You even see it in the body politic. It seems like every party in the UK has a transphobic wing of the party, even the communist. Do you feel that football versus transphobia is making a dent? How much of an impact do you feel the campaign is making among the public, but also within the sport? Yeah, I
2: mean... <laughs> Clearly, I hope it is making an impact. And I and I think it is making an impact. And it's for two reasons. And one is obviously just what Lucy's just talked about, you know, like providing some, having a bit of visibility that shows trans people out there that there's a place for them in the sport. And we've kind of talked about that, but I've had some of the same experiences Man, people will reach out during the week and say, hey, I've gone to training for the first time because of, you know, I've seen this stuff around the campaign. But also like what, you know, that's where I think we've talked about that well, and I think that that some premise is well understood. But secondly, I'm a big believer in the kind of the power of sport as a lever for social change, and one of the things that is happening a lot more now, and I'm really pleased to see it, is football clubs, professional football clubs. Um, football governing bodies you know the the national fa's in the uk and also the, the county fa's standing up and taking a stand and saying we want trans people in the game so for example last year when we had the football view transphobia week of action we had a real explosion of professional football clubs sharing stuff from their lgbt supporters groups around um showcasing trans people that went to games really normalizing the idea that there are trans people that go and watch Football matches, you know, a um, few that stick in my mind. So Newcastle United did a lot of good stuff. West Brom, West Bromwich Albion always do a lot of good stuff. Leicester City last year popped up with some sort of case studies of some uh, a couple of trans supporters, which are really kind of emotionally impactful. Um, Everton have done things, you know. I'm, I'm doing a disservice to other clubs who I haven't mentioned. <laughs> Lucy won't fact me. But Tottenham Hotspur have done a lot of good stuff about um, LGBT inclusion, but actually this year. Arsenal have done a load of stuff as well. So we're really seeing a lot of that happening. And what that's doing is that's showing supporters of those clubs that their club believes in being positive about trans people. And that obviously then has an impact on those supporters um, who maybe cisgender people may not know anything about trans people, may know a bit about trans people that they've read from a a transphobic media that might not have given them a great um, view of us. And so that sport helps us reach people that we can't easily reach in other ways and that helps people to understand a little bit more about the trans experience and just kind of see us as other people that just like the sport that they like so it can be really powerful and I hope hope this is having an impact and I think it is
0: In the green room before the podcast, Lucy told me this is the thing in the UK this person has become an issue in the UK so I want to drop a name on you right now Leah Thomas.
1: Yep. Fabulous. You mean to
0: tell me in in the UK she's the thing? Oh gosh, yeah, oh, no, the,
1: Leah, Leah, Leah's massive. I mean, to be fair, um, we at Trans Radio and myself on our on our Twitter and what have you not um, have spent ages fighting people because because obviously Posey Parker, who's a, a massive Boo. queen of the yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boo hiss. Um, yeah, probably probably one of the queen of the turf. Not as not as much of a queen as J.K. Rowling because she hasn't got the the, the following. But uh, but she's she is massively outspoken, like ridiculously transphobic. Um, <coughs> makes money. I'm gonna. T- I've 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 said this because I'm I'm constantly on her YouTube having. Digs at her. She uh, she, she she's, she's it's about money for her as much as anything else. She what she makes a lot of money from selling merchandise, this, that, and the other. Uh, and it is it's a business for her. It's uh, actually honestly, tra- be, her being transphobic is a business. It's not just uh, the way she feels. She's turned it into her own little personal business. And as you, you know, she's yeah, she's been over to America. So so she's been over to America doing her hate at the uh. The the swimming with Leah Thomas. So, yeah, that's that has really, and, and what that's done here um, as Natalie will say uh, as well, it's opened up the whole debate again. So we had, we had it with Rachel McKinnon, the cyclist that opened up a massive debate. Let's talk about trans people in sport. And now again, because of, because of Leah, it's now that's opened a massive debate. Let's talk about trans people in sport. So, which has obviously led on to us getting a load of abuse about this batch but obviously we get a load of support as well because, you know, they might be noisy, but they're not, they're not that massive in numbers, are they? Um, to be fair, but yeah, Posey Mm -hmm. Parker is a a massive, massive transphobe, uh, that makes money off it. So all of those people that support her, you're just, you're just funding her, funding her lifestyle. I mean, she's gone over to America just to, just to spread hate and just,
0: you know, exactly. It's just ridiculous. Well, y'all keep her over there. Now you Posey can have Parker, a. No, we Posey Parker, <laughs> Posey Parker, keep her over there. Keep her <laughs> there. Keep her there. Keep her there. Keep the bug lady fond of Beatles. Keep her over there too. Please, please keep her over there. But. I mean, these, not, these I mean, are all
2: I'm, the integral parts of our post-Brexit trade deals that, that they have to. They, we have to explore no, no,
0: no, 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 no. <laughs> we, no, we, we're no. We don't want any part of that because I'm surprised that a college swimmer in the United States was, in a sense, causing a debate over there, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of sort of factors to this. I mean, obviously, we're all part of the Anglosphere, right? So they, a, the English language news is, you know, is, we get, we see the same thing in Australia and New Zealand where there's you know, big transphobic movements as well. Obviously, they're sharing yeah. that English Australia language trying media.
0: To, Scott Morrison trying to get yeah. re-elected on the backs of tra- on the corpses of the trans folks right now. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Um, they've not been as successful in New Zealand, frankly. But the, the, I mean, part of it is that. Part of it is it's a media construction you know the the, the transphobia is and transphobia cells but also that transphobia transphobia related discourse and that transphobia related con, um, controversy drives clicks it drives views it drives listens so media here is very very keen to keep fueling that fire and we can't really avoid it you know it's there's a there's an argument to say we should ignore it and we should not participate in it, but it happens anyway without us. So, increasingly, I was thinking, well, we might as well be there, and we might as well put our case. And I, I went on television last week and spent most of my time correcting factual errors. To be honest, although you know, not not all of them successfully, but the um. It's it's frustrating because it means we can't have a mature conversation about what it actually means to be trans in sport because, you know, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people participating as participating in sport are not at the elite competitive level. They're just wanting to get active and get fit and get the social benefits of being part of a team. And we can't talk about that because we're always talking about whatever trans-competitive athlete they've found somewhere in the world at that time that they're upset about. Well, um, you may have
0: that in the UK coming up.
2: Well, because yes. Of, because of the
0: cyclist, Emily Bridges, mm. who is who is immensely talented, but now has reached that point to where Bridges Cycling says she can compete. You might be on question time in a couple months talking about this. Do you Do you kind of like <laughs> shudder do you kind of mm-hmm. shudder from it or does it kind of, in a sense, how, I mean, what kind of mindset does it put you in knowing that these things are coming and being out there and still be an activist and still organize and still put your voice out there?
2: I mean, can I speak for myself? In many respects, it gives me a resolve to keep going at it because we, we have to, we, we've, we've got two choices. We either shut up and let them roll over us or we have to fight and i don't see another option than to fight so i mean when when this stuff comes along the part that demoralized two things demoralise me when it happens one is the torrent of i can deal with the abuse what really upsets me and gets to me is when people accuse us of lying because i don't lie occasionally you might be factually inaccurate on something because you can't be factually accurate 100% all of the time but I don't lie, our opponents lie all the time and are never held to account for it and that frustrates me with that double standard. I think secondly it's that it's there's that wonderful meme, isn't there, about talking about gender with trans people and talking about gender with cis people. I mean, we've probably all seen the meme, right? So much of it is that so much of the time you spend trying to explain basic principles or basic things, you know, like what cisgender means. And it I, it baffles me that we've had this toxic discourse about trans people in this country for years now, and these basics are misunderstood, and it's, and it's because there's so much misinformation around. But that frustrates me because it, it without that, common understanding of what we're talking about, it becomes impossible to have these mature conversations about what we actually mean. Which of course is by design. But it's it's very, very frustrating. But I mean I yeah, you're right. These things are inevitable. When Emily Bridges competes, it doesn't matter how she does, this discourse will be dredged up again. Um Emily Bridges is a really interesting one because I'm not an expert in cycling, but her results pre-transition were were very, very good. She was very competitive. Before any medical transition, competing in in male cycling, I don't know if it was men or, or boys at that stage, but both. Um, now, since uh, having a medical transition, she's been competing in men's cycling, and her performance has been dropping off, which is exactly what you would expect to see. Um, so, I'm really fascinated to see how she gets on. I, it's great that we have these positive role models. It's like I said with Leah Thomas; it's so galling that we when we talk about these positive role models we can't talk about what they are which is inspiring for other trans
0: people yeah, we, we have can't to, have the joy
2: we, we, ha- we, we can't celebrate have to, yeah we almost have to belittle their performance and this is what i think that really frustrates me is we're constantly having to diminish ourselves we're constantly having to say that we're not that good we're not that fast we're not that powerful um and it how can, you, how can you be effective at the elite level? I mean, I've never been at the elite level, but how can you be effective at that level if you're having to diminish yourself in that way? So um, I just hope we can get past that soon, but it's not going to be. It's not going to be without challenge.:
0: Coming to the home stretch, final few questions here. first, Are you prepared for any turfiness Thursday night? Uh, we're, we're prepared, but <laughs> let's be honest.
1: They they don't rock up where there's a lot of trans people. They 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 avoid that. And um, when they do, they're, they're, they're noisy, but they're so small in numbers. You know, they have they they have um, they might organise a, a get together in London, for say, and there'll be eight of them. I mean, I see, I see more people. I see more people standing at the bus stop in the morning than I do generally out there uh, you know the turf the turf gatherings whilst they may be a noisy lot it's the same faces uh, and there's no you know there's normally eight maybe ten at a push if they can drag a couple of their mates unsuspecting mates along um, we are ready prepared. we've got you know the, the, we've got, got a list of names that we're making sure of not purchase tickets we've got security there there's going to be stewards there um, anyone if there are uh, any banners or any uh, if there's any um, comments that are you know unacceptable then the people will be ejected ejected simple as that you know they're, they're not welcome there this is an event that we're showing inclusion Dulwich Hamlet are full of inclusion um, and acceptance and they won't stand for it so yeah they we're, we're not expecting them to turn up because we've got so many people coming from our community that will be supporting so even if they did and the the the, you know even if there was eight of them for say and it was the noisy eight we're going to have a damn sight more there that are supporting us and we've been telling people to come along with their drums and their trumpets and you know this make as much noise as possible um so they'll they'll be drowned out anyway but yeah i mean we're not expecting it to be fair Uh, but, but we are, of course we have to, we have to be prepared just in case, just in case. But yeah, I think the chances are very slim, but we're not, we're not going to say that it's not going to happen.
0: Also, I want to, I want to place a call out to like, will you like all trans folks in America who can actually play this game? Um, I can I can be an extra player on the bench but hey let's get a trans team USA out there you know like, hey how about a trans well how about a transatlantic challenge i mean well, if trans, trans team world, trans if team top. trans yeah if trans <laughs> if team trans hockey can do it i think soccer yeah. here in the states well, can no, probably do it
1: <laughs> in all seriousness in all seriousness we have sold um because we 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 obviously selling our fabulous kit so we've got uh, an amazing kit and anyone can buy our kit and we've probably sold nearly as many shirts in America as we have in the uk oh, it... and that is really bizarre, but that is the, that is actual truth. In fact we've sold, we've sold shirts yeah. worldwide, but we've sold lots to lots of shirts to America. I'm sure Natalie would probably do the same for the football v transphobia. And I am up for honestly, if we can get enough players from America, we could have a truck United USA that's not a problem. You know, we can go out there. I'll jump on a plane. I'll come and manage it as well. <laughs> you know, we, I know there's players, there's, there's players that have purchased, uh, that have purchased our kit in, in, in the States. So yeah, I, this, this make it happen over in America as well. Cause it can, mm. you know, you've got a lot more people there and yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we could get a, a nice squad together and uh, we can play a game out there against some American team. Or, you know, or we could even bring Truck United UK over and play against Truck United USA.
0: Let's do it. Let's do hey, it. Why not? You know, some, I don't know if I wouldn't be playing in it, but I'd definitely be a, I'd definitely be a commentator for it. Commentator. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Enough. That's cool. A couple of things. Number one, Lucy, I know that when you're not officiating the the sport, you have a lot of cats. You got chickens. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it like little... running your own zoo? that's it we 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 just
1: love animals so uh, we got seven cats to two sometimes three dogs when we can manage to um to steal our son's dog for the weekend which generally then turns into a week or maybe two um yeah we've got chickens and, and uh oh we've had all sorts we've had rabbits and hamster we even uh, we even had um, i don't think I, i'd never heard of them until uh avril turned up and said ah oh, we've now got some degus and it was like, okay. And yeah, so we we had a big cage full of um, Oh Yeah, we just we just love animals. It's, a house is not a home without animals, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, yeah, we got loads. We got, as I say, seven, seven cats, which is just pretty crazy. But they're all cool. We've got, bizarrely, one that lives in the cupboard. But um, yeah, <laughs> she's happy there.
0: She comes out and pops out for a wee and a bit of food. And then, yeah, she goes back to the cupboard. <laughs> Now, Lucy, quick, quick, quick rules question here. The hand of God. How would Lucy Clark have called that?
1: I'd have done a much better job than the match official on the day. It's this clearly handball. And uh, when you're referee, sometimes, and, and a little trick here for all players, any players that are listening, occasionally a referee might just delay a decision or make a decision on player, on player's body language. And the fact Maradona turned around after... Punching the ball into the net. Let's say it how it was. You can see he turned around and checked and looked at the ref to see if the goal was given. That's telling the referee it's handball. The referee should have gone, <laughs> beep, hit the whistle, but he didn't. The referee failed. The, re- the or, or, I mean, obviously we didn't have VAR there, but yeah, the the, the match officials failed, as they do. It's just it's a constant thing. Don't even get me started, England. We just have. Not only is it turf, turf island, when it comes to football decisions at major World World Cups, I mean, given apart from the goal in '66 that probably didn't cross the line um, fully, we've had so many bad decisions at. you know, 86, we had bad decisions. We've had bad decisions. At, oh, we had the, the goal at um, South Africa, where the ball was three foot over the line, not given. Frank right, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so we we just get, we, we constantly get bad decisions. But that, that was one of the worst, because we, we possibly could have gone on and won that World Cup, to be fair. Um, but hey, you know, yeah, terrible match officiating. There you go. <laughs>
0: Now, now Blair, Blair, on your end, when you're not speaking out as much as you do, and this athlete who is trans appreciates you for it, say, so tell me, hey, you're Civilization, huh? Now, that's a video game name I haven't heard in a minute. Yeah, well, I, do, I, I play, when I play computer games, I kind of want to
2: relax. So I don't want anything that's too, like, I can't play, like, Fortnite or any of that kind of stuff. I don't have the atm for it. I don't have the um. I can't con- I can concentrate, but I, I'm not quick enough. So I I like to just kind of sit back, have uh, something going, you know, watch something on the other screen, match of the day or whatever, and um, play something a bit relaxing. And that's that's kind of my my chill out. So when we had obviously lockdown the last couple of years, developed a little community of people online that we just play a bit of games with. So that's, that's quite nice.
0: And by the way, Natalie, quick question: On who's your team?
2: So this is an interesting one because I kind of don't have one, and it's a bit strange. Um, the The first team I ever got went to watch was Aldershot, um, and they were Aldershot Town then. Because they're my local team, but they're they're like a, a non-league team. They're in like tier six um, of the men's game. They've been in the league before. They went bust. They've been gone bust twice in my lifetime and <laughs> had to start from down <laughs> to the bottom again. Um, so I kind of follow them a bit, um, but there was there was no kind of family allegiance in my family. Like we, me and my dad was a big football fan, played played football, you know, for recreation, but wasn't a football supporter as such they didn't take us to games and my mum wasn't interested in football so I kind of had to make my own I used to go and watch Aston Villa a lot when I was at uni so I kind of looked out for Villa a lot as well because I I, I lived in Aston so we went to Villa Park every week I went to some Birmingham derbies which were a bit a bit tasty Um, (laughs) but um, yeah so I kind of don't have one but you get this apparently apparently this is a thing with people who play football I don't know but Because we're playing, and particularly in the women's game, the women's game, most of the professional women's game and the grassroots women's game in the UK or in the England at least, is all on Sundays. So if you're playing, you can't go to games. So it's kind of a bit awkward Mm -hmm. to do both.
0: Final question for the both of you. Um, In my country right now, as we're doing this podcast, we're coming off a week where four states passed anti trans legislation in the space of 48 hours. In your country, um, the hits just, it doesn't seem to stop. Whether it's on Good Morning Britain, whether it's the Daily Fail. Yes, I said, yes, yeah. I said well, I what I meant, what I said. Yeah. Good, good, good. I good. still, I still <laughs> yeah. can't stand the fail for what they did with Leah Thomas, sending some pervy photographer over here to take mm-hmm. shots in the bushes. Bad on yeah. you, Daily Fail. And it seems that trans people get no rest in the UK. With all that going on, where do you find trans joy? For me, it's
2: um, just in existing day to day and being yourself, and be and seeing other people be themselves, and Despite the backdrop of everything that we've had over the last few years in all of our countries, more, I see more trans people coming out than ever. I see more, more people being able to be themselves younger than I was able to and younger than other people were able to. Um, I see people able to come out whilst they're at school. And when I was at school, we had Section 28. When I was at school, the whole time I was there, when I was at school, nobody came out as anything in the LGBTQ community at all. There was not a single person. And there was sort of 2,000 people at my secondary school. Not a single one came out And even to this day, of the people I'm aware of, a significantly below average number of people are out as anything in the LGBTQ spectrum. From, from my cohort at school right and that's that's the long shadow of section 28 people just didn't feel they could they didn't know they didn't know um now that doesn't happen and you can't put that stopper back in the bottle you can't you can make it harder for people you can make people tr- you can try to make people more, more ashamed but you can't take away what they already know and so i think this is this is a backlash this is a people trying to stop us from being who we are, but you can't, these people are already there. They're already making art. They're already playing sport. They're already creating online. You know, they're not, not enough people are able to crack mainstream media or crack mainstream film and television and so on yet, but it, it will happen and it is happening. Um, and we're seeing more people. In I, I can't imagine there being an elite sort of level, trans woman who was a swimmer or a cyclist or any of the things that we are seeing when i was a kid like wouldn't, wouldn't have been dreamt of so the progress we've made is really significant and every day that we exist and we see more people doing that it just kind of gets a little bit easier for the next people so it's hard but we're getting there
1: yeah, just echo a lot what Natalie said. I've got, got a few years on Natalie as well. So, yeah, obviously things were much different back, um, back in the day. And, yeah, I mean, obviously when I was young, we had no internet. So I thought I was the only trans person in the world. I didn't even know what trans was. I just knew how I felt and, and thought that I was just completely messed up and, yeah, that there was nobody else like me. So at least now um, people are able to to come out and be who they are a lot younger i think um i think it's for, for trans people i think we're in in the eye of the storm at the moment but our generation is making things better for the next generations um and the you know the younger generation now they haven't got it easy at all but they'll they're going to make it better for the for the next generation so it's a work in progress and yeah i don't you know i think transphobia will still be here by the time I'm long gone. Um, but again, well, it's going to be better in 20, 30 years than it was, you know, 10 years ago or what have you not. So, so it will, it will get better. Um, and the more people the more acceptance we get and the more pe- people starting starting their journeys younger now because they can because they've got the information and they know that that you know that they can do these things so there's going to be there there is already i mean obviously we've got the backlog with the the hospitals and what have you at the moment because lots of people are saying hey this is me and i want to do it and you've got old people like me that are on the system and stuff like that so it's clogging it all up a little bit but it's going to be a lot easier for for people in future and we'll we'll continue to to fight the fight and as long as we all stick together um mm. and just show that you know being trans is this is you know nothing bad about it we're, we're still in fact most most trans people i know are really the best people in the world. They're fabulous people. (laughs) So, you know, we we are nice people and, and we've all, a lot of us have got really good hearts and, uh, and we all breathe the same air, you know, that's the thing, doesn't it? You know, we all breathe oxygen and our hearts all beat the same. So, so yeah, we're, we're, we're just making it hopefully better for the next generation.
0: Well, one thing I think, yeah. yeah. One thing I know is going to make it better is seeing you all on that pitch Thursday night. I'm pretty sure for a lot of people across the UK, a lot of trans people, being on that pitch is going to be a victory. And I say good luck, Truck United, and good hunting against Dolwich Hamlet. Natalie Washington, Lucy Clark, thank you for being on the transporter room this week. And all the best to you on your big match coming up on TDOV. Thank you. Thank you for having
2: us. Thanks for having us, yeah.
0: And they've got a match to prepare for. So you know what? We're going to beam them back down now. And thanks to Natalie Washington and Lucy Clark for being on the Transporter Room. And thanks to all of you for tuning in each week and being a part of this podcast. And if there's something you want to see or something you want to say about what I'm doing here with the Transporter Room, please leave a message on our Twitter page. Leave a message on our Facebook page and leave a message on our Instagram page, Transporter Room 10 Forward. Everything I do at the Transporter Room, I do for all of you, the people who support us, even more so on Trans Day of Visibility. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. Live long and prosper. Study as she goes. I'll catch you all next week.